Hey, everybody, N here. Um, if you're listening right now, which you are, um, I just wanted to ask if you would please share our podcast with your friends, um, share it on Instagram, um, and rate and review us and subscribe on um, on the podcast platforms. It would really, really help us. We uh, are so bad at the promotional marketing side of this, and um, we love doing it, though, and we want to keep doing it. And um, yeah, so please help us out by spreading the word. And um, oh, our email is convos with goddesses at gmail.com. If you have any suggestions of things that you want to hear or questions that you have that you want our opinions on, um, send it in to us and please share, share, share. Um, thank you so much and enjoy. Welcome to our first episode of Conversations with Goddesses, which we are. <laughs> um, it's our first podcast episode. I am N. And I am M, not to be confused with N. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, first, I guess we can give a little background on why we wanted to start a podcast. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. <laughs> you start. <laughs> oh, you want me to do it? Okay. Um, well, I think that right now, obviously the world is a little upside down and, you know, as if dating and relationships aren't hard enough before this, or we're not hard enough for this. Now it's a whole new ball game. Um, and there's just a lot of, there's, it's really complex. So there's a lot of things thrown into it that you never had to think about before. Yes. And, um, we are, M and I are in a generation that is kind of a, a mini generation called Xennials, which a lot of you probably are. It's, um, we are right between Generation X and Millennials. So people born in the late seventies, early eighties that, uh, don't identify completely with one generation or the other. And I, yeah, because G Generation X and Millennials are so different, um, you know, but I think that we kind of took some parts of each one and we're this unique, you know, mix. We have like the cynicism enough to be wary of things from Generation X. And then we grew up still with enough technology that we understand a lot more than a lot of the true Generation X do. So we kind of have the best of both worlds. I it think. does. And and we were just talking about how like even people a couple years younger than us or a couple years older than us have a completely different experience because we were really coming of age with the internet, you know, in middle school and early high school and everything. AOL dial up. What's up? Yes. <laughs> and so we, you know, kind of grew with that. And so even people that maybe were, you know, already in college or just out of mm -hmm. college, which would technically be like the same generation, they, they didn't have the same experience. They didn't grow up with it. And then, you know, millennials, it was always there. So it really, and is I also think too, because we still have, you know, nothing against millennials and, and not even really millennials. It's more, what's the one after millennials? Why? Gen Z. Gen Z. Mm -hmm. So they are, we were just talking about, you know, they're, they've had everything. It's so easy for them, everything. So because we still are part of generation X to an extent that we had to 
figure everything out on our own and everything wasn't readily available, like with Google, um, I think we can figure, you know, with technology, we can figure out a lot of stuff on our own. We're a little bit more resourceful. Yes, exactly. But I still agree. technological. So anyway, and then I think that also puts us in um, socially, you know, a little bit of a different category, which applies to dating also. So like our generation, we are on the apps and it's completely normal. And when I talk yeah. to people who are even a couple years older, feel like the apps is still kind of like not the norm. Um, and then the uh, social media, mm -hmm. like um, we are all, you know, we're introduced to MySpace and stuff, what, in our early 20s, early to mid 20s. Yeah. And so we were still, we were on there posting pictures, looking cute and going to parties. And so people that were just five years older than us were kind right. of like out of that. But I also think that our, this generation too, like that we're talking about that we're a part of, I think that we are very big that age is really just how you feel. And everybody takes care of themselves differently now. Like I think somebody our age, you know, the generation before us looks so different than what the lifestyle we leave now. Like I know like my mom was not living the way I live when she was my age, like, or talking the way that we talk yeah. or acting the way well, that we're we in act. like the meme culture and we are exposed to, you know, all of that. So I think, yeah. I think and even, um, and both of us had kids kind of on the younger side of average and even my I was a teen mom, it's okay. <laughs> even my son's friends' moms, who are, you know, five to ten plus years older, I I always felt like uh, the things that they're wearing or the things that they would post on social media versus me yeah. is totally different. See, I like, think that there's no rules anymore. And I think that our age category is like kind of the cutoff at the top where we're like okay with that. I think like mm -hmm. you're saying, like maybe five or 10 years older, they're like, oh, I can't wear that. It's not appropriate right. for my age. I think us in our early, you know, whatever age we are, just kidding. We already <laughs> said it, you know, early forties, but we still feel like it's okay. I mean, I like to shop at forever 21 and you know what? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, obviously I shop other places, but I mean, I don't feel like it's not okay for me to wear something trendy. With, within reason. And then I feel like too, and you may feel this too, because both of us are in careers where we work with people of all different ages. And um, I, I feel like I can relate to people that are 22 yeah. and 30 and 35 and 40. And a uh, little other backstory, N and I have been friends since we were 15 years old. So we still tend to act like 15 year olds <laughs> at a slumber party, um, which helps. So yes. just wanted to throw that out there in case. And it is fun. And the thing you were saying about like the way that you dress, I, I feel like I used to be more uh, um, aware or worried about that when I was younger, even in my 20s, even when I was turning like 25, 26, I was like, oh my God, I feel like I'm getting so old. Can I still wear cut off jean shorts? Can I still wear this? And then almost over time, I've worried about it less. Yeah. And now it is like you said, I feel like anything goes. Whatever it's true. I feel comfortable no in. Yeah. There's no rules. So, so <laughs> let's now that you know a little backstory on us and kind of where we're coming from and why we decided we wanted to do this, as we said in the beginning, you know, navigating the dating world is uh interesting to say the least. I mean it's interesting anyway, but now there's just a lot of things happening. Yes. And it's really interesting because I just got out of a really long-term relationship 
um, in October, kind of before the quarantine and everything. So I've only, that was the first time I got on the apps. The first time I've really dated because before that relationship, yeah. I was in another serious relationship. And so jumping into it now, I've learned so much. And I, I'm personally not, I'm also single. Um, I was in a 13 year long relationship. We actually broke up two years ago, but we still are friends and, you know, hang out. But, um, I get to hear, I have not yet been brave enough to get on a dating app, but I love to listen to N's, um, adventures and, and we'll talk about a lot of those too. And yes. the few that I've had, not, you know, related to dating apps, just dating, but, um, a it's, lot. it's amazing. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I've learned so much. I went in so like naive without knowing. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so fun. And the first couple guys that I dated, you know, who turned out to be fuck boys later, yes. which I, and I didn't even know what that word meant. And I was telling my, you know, 25 year old friends. It's like you have to learn all these new terminology when you're coming out of a long-term relationship though, into this, it's almost like if you've been in a long-term relationship, like spanning 10 plus years recently, and you're all of a sudden single, it's like, you know, what was that movie with Alicia Silverstone where they like lived under in the bomb shelter and then they came out and emerged into society after like being down there for 20 years and the whole world was like, I don't even know. But it's like, okay, it's like that though. Yeah. It's like coming out. Or Kimmy Schmidt also. Yes, like exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's like coming out of a time capsule as far as the dating world goes. Yes. It's like, this totally wasn't a different. thing. And it's you're learning like all these new terminologies like ghosting and breadcrumbing and zombieing and, and, and fuck boy and you know, the whatever. And it was so like, it was just, we're talking to my friends who had more experiences on the apps when I would be like, oh my gosh, well, he said, you know, he feels like I'm like family and he's never felt this way about anybody. And they're like, they're like, no, no, no. I've heard that a thousand times. That's yeah. And I was just like, no, it's like you're a naive like, baby. I know. And I didn't, I didn't want it. Like, I didn't feel naive, but yeah. I was like, but the, I don't know how, like, can somebody just say these things? But then, um, yeah, like fast forward a few months and I'm like, and she's like, she just said, she's learned so much. And I'm just, now I feel like I'm able to go into situations too. It's almost dangerous though. Like when I've fired off some text messages, I have such a backstory from your experiences that I'm like, listen, bro. And I sound like a psychopath and they're probably like, whoa. And I'm like, I, I feel like I'm like a couple steps ahead of the game though. Almost. Like I got like a, it's I like, got like a, yes. I get to cheat a little bit. It's like, yeah, I'm sharing my dating PTSD with you mm -hmm. from these guys. Yes. Um, I'm happy to take your baggage into my new relationships. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's what best friends do. It's true. It's true. So anyway, on that note, one thing that uh, we just started dealing with, you know, first of all, there's like the quarantine and there's, do you do FaceTime dates and do you, you know, hook up with people that you've been with in the past and, and where does all that go? But the, the most recent thing that we were talking about, we thought would be good to address on the first episode. And that is when you meet somebody and you connect with them, but then they have a different view of the entire pandemic. Yes. Like the, they're of the, like one of you is of the mindset 
it's very serious and you need a socially distance and you need to wear a mask and it is very real and the numbers are real and the other person thinks it's all being blown out of proportion and it's nothing worse than the flu. Yeah. And um, so when you've got such different views on that, but you've already... But you also, it, it's hard because like it, you have different views on that, but then you kind of line up everywhere else. So it's like, where do you draw the line? Like, do you use that as a gauge for like judging what kind of person they are as a whole like and how much do you argue about it or is it worth debating about it is it worth or is it worth still seeing them and i know it's really easy from that you know easily from the outside to say well if they don't share your view stick to your view and it's over but you also know if you've been in the dating world and on the dating apps it's hard to find somebody that not only you match with on there that you're attracted to that you have a connection with, that you feel chemistry with in person, and that you want to actually see again. I mean, yeah, literally, I mean, hundreds of swipes, and I've probably had three. That's a lot of swipes. People that I've actually wanted to have a second day with. You know, I'm I'm hearing people on both sides of like, as far as politics. I don't even know if it's all politics. I think that there's definitely. I think it's. I think I can clearly see one side and the other falling more into one of the other categories as far as taking it seriously or not. I'm not going to say what, but politics are huge in a relationship. I get that because, and this is huge too, because we're talking about people's safety. Um, yeah. So I feel like that, that's what I was going to say. That's what I was going to say. I feel like, so it's this like what does that say about them at their core? If they're like willing to possibly harm other people or is it that they really or, just don't understand or they don't believe it yeah so i was gonna say like um so where there I'm are those another drink okay. talking yes can you grab me one too yes thanks um doesn't matter the flavor because they all taste the same that's right um is that like if it's somebody and their political views differ I kind of assess like, okay, I don't feel like I'm going to marry this guy, but right now, like, I feel safe with him. I feel connected with him. I am having fun. We have chemistry. So I'm going to, like, enjoy this for a second and not um, not even talk politics and, and know that I'm not, you know, even going to – thanks – going to um, even worry about that yet. Just kind of enjoy the moment, not talk about it. But – when you get to the COVID stuff, it's like that takes it to the next level. Um, yeah. If you you know that they're out in the world not wearing a mask and stuff. So then if you go on a date with them, you're also potentially bringing that back to the people in your life that are vulnerable. So then you're making a decision too. But then you can do things in your world, I guess, to, to try to, to, get try to minimize that. that. But there is still that. There is still that choice. And then there's the overall social responsibility. Like say, I don't have anybody in my life that is um, high risk and say he doesn't have anybody in his life that is high risk. But then, and one party or the other doesn't feel the global social responsibility of, um, well, so-and-so might go to the store and that person, you know, might pass somebody whose grandmother, you know, whatever. And they, and some people I've heard say, well, if somebody has an at-risk family member, then they're the ones that should be taking the precautions. But I I don't feel like that. I feel like... And that's still a slippery slope. There's so many 
why do you still want to be a part of contributing to possibly being a part of the chain that passes it to that person? I mean, and speaking of other analogies like that, like we do feel socially, you know, social responsibility to other people. If, for instance, you are out at a bar and you see, you know, a girl that's really drunk and a guy trying to take advantage of her, anybody would step in or anybody would step in if a little kid was about to step into traffic. That like human humanity of like, I'm going to like, it's like a guttural thing. Like you don't even think you just act. Right. But it's weird. Like you would never say, well, I don't feel like it. That girl's about to get raped in the bathroom. I don't feel like helping her. That's not, that wouldn't even be a thought process. Maybe it's because like you, you're seeing it, you know, and people like it's, if they're seeing it, it's easier for that, for it to seem real. Like it's harder to think, oh, somebody's grandmother could eventually be down the chain exposed to something if I have something. And it just seems to some people. Everything that everybody's been doing this whole time to be careful, especially those of us who do. Like I have not hugged my mom and dad since the end of February. And that makes, I mean, I'm a person who went to my mom and dad's house almost every single day and had coffee with them before work. Like literally it breaks my heart. I've seen them like from afar, like while they're on their porch, but it's not the same. But It's like everybody in the world's doing that. I'm not saying I'm the only one. Everybody's doing that right now. And it's heartbreaking, but we're all doing that because it's important. But these people that are now like, I'm just, I don't care. It's dumb. Then it's everything we were doing was in vain. Right. Or when they're like, yeah, it's not. Oh, also when people like, oh, it doesn't hit people under like 40 or 50. Very hard. You're not going to die. Okay. Maybe you're not going to die, but you could still end up in the hospital. And apparently the lung damage that it causes doesn't, in a lot of cases, does not go away. So you might end up out of the hospital and say, okay, I survived it, but you're going to have lung disease for the rest of your life. Yeah, or, so. and also, yeah. And also I can't afford to like not work for a couple of weeks or no. uh, hospital bills or then the, the guilt, I would feel guilty taking a hospital bed from somebody who probably needs it more than I do. So I don't know. It's, it becomes a moral dilemma. It is um, a moral dilemma. And it becomes bigger than just social. And and it's a new thing. It's a new wrench thrown into the dating world. It's a new <laughs> like question mark if it's a deal breaker. So we want to ask you, our audience, yes. <clears throat> is it a deal breaker if, if somebody has different views on COVID than you do? And I want to know what people think about, um, is it a deal breaker if you have different views on COVID? First of all, when you first match with somebody and maybe that first conversation before you even meet, what if you don't know their views on COVID till five dates in? Correct. And after you've had There's the connection dates. there. <laughs> yeah, like- And uh, everything besides that is working perfectly. And what is another topic that we well, need to discuss today? Okay, how somebody- texts. Oh Lord. Okay. I think it's fair to say, I'm not, I'm going to let you go off with your thought, but I just want to say this. And I think this is a thing. I know N is going to come in there because she's got more experience than I do. I do think though, there is a huge difference between the way girls and guys text. And sometimes it's just guys just suck at texting. I think so too. But then also I can't help but look and notice that it it cha- it changes very very beginning when you're first talking to them it's like uh, it's all day all night and they're texting things of substance and they're not talking in a way that's um 
in any way, shape, or form makes you feel like they're trying to get you into bed. Or, so they can text. So they do know how to text. So yes. Or, so I stand corrected. Touche. Or if you have your sleepover date, say on a Saturday night, and then Sunday and Monday, they're not great at texting. And Tuesday and Wednesday, they get a little better. And then Thursday, they're really good at texting. And Friday, mm -hmm. they're texting you at 7 a.m. and all day, ready like to line yeah. you up for the date that weekend. Because See, this is why I'm a naive baby still. <laughs> I'm like, but, 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 oh yeah. But it's so disappointing because it is hard to be like, okay, this one's different. Like this one says things that mean something. And, you know, right out of the gate, it wasn't like, oh my God, you're so pretty and this and this and this. It was like, you know, you have meaningful conversations. And then all of a sudden... Once they've won the chase and they know that they have your attention, they get lazy. It is kind of a bummer to like get to the point where you have to think or you have to enter and think nothing means anything. And um, I, I, you know, that's, that's a bummer because I've always, you know, I've always been somebody that has been pretty independent and had enough of a guard up, but also at the same time, I want to give people the benefit of the doubt. I always do to a fault though, and this is why I have you as it's my very guru. <laughs> but, but is it like just something that it's like, I, and I hate this phrase, but it is what it is. Is that just in this instant gratification, like guys that have unlimited options with the swiping and the instant, you know, Instagram, you go on there and you can follow 5,000 bikini models and you can literally in your feed all day just see perfect specimens in half naked and you don't have to put any effort to get those images and you can probably slide into their dms and you know flatter them and probably a few of them might just out of courtesy write you back and in your ego you'll think oh they're talking to me and now they've got like it in the palm of their hand they've got hundreds of women so that's what i'm saying like i think they... it's literally like they're ruined forever it goes back into evolution like they were made to spread their seed so they've already got that but they didn't have all these options so they for the most part men like still courted a woman and called them on the phone and took them on proper dates and no. they still, and a lot of men cheat and some women do too, but there was still, they still had to go through that process because they didn't just open up an app on their phone. It was like, they had to go find it and work for it. But, and I feel like, yeah, I feel like it puts girls on a, you know, a level kind of almost, I don't know, at a disadvantage because if, if we demand well not demand in a bad way but like have a standard they have no reason to stay in that you know situation for instance this brings me to something else talking about texting like there's a very specific text that means something to me after you have sex with somebody whether it's the first time or not the next day like say you go home from their house like it means a lot to me to be texted by that person the next well, day yeah. pretty early. And I'm not saying you have to text me all day long. I'm not saying it's an acknowledgement. We had, an, we had the most intimate, we had the most intimate exchange two humans can have with each other. So I'm and going to acknowledge that you crossed my mind when I woke up or I'm, I'm thinking like, wow, that happened. Like, how are just, you? And it's so it's, we know this as like, we all know this, but men, you know, namely fuck boys try to claim that they don't have time to text or they do, or, or whatever. Oh, can but, we do it? Can we, when we're done with this, can we please talk about the I'm too busy? Oh yes. But, um, texting takes zero time and zero effort. It takes no 
time. Uh, it like you could you know text while you're on your way to pour yes. another cup of coffee. Text at a stoplight. At a stoplight while you're on your way to the bathroom while you're brushing your teeth. There are takes, 24 hours in a day. No Natalie, perfect. you're the genius in this couple here. What? How many seconds is that? It's a lot of seconds. So I mean, literally, and you know, we all so, have the same 24 hours in a day. Anyway, I can I can give a specific anecdote about this specific thing. Please do. Okay, so an anecdote about the day after text. So in a, a recent mini relationship situationship that I had with somebody that I enjoyed spending time with, that we had good chemistry, that um, it was a, a fun, good situation. Um, and we would, you know, have dates one, maybe two times a week. And I noticed that after I'd spend the night over there, the next day, it wouldn't, like, he wouldn't text me. And at first, I didn't even think about it. Like, I'd get home and think, oh, that was a super fun night. And as the day wore on, you know, it becomes noon, it becomes 2, it becomes 4 p.m. And then I'm starting to, like, just not feel good about it, you know? Like, feel, yeah. like, kind of a little bit of a shitty feeling. And if I texted and him. And that's 100% natural. And I, just to your point, and I'm not going to cut you off, but mm -hmm. it's sad to me that you're sitting here having to say out loud to yourself, I'm not, I'm okay. It's okay that I feel this way, right? Like it feels bad and I don't like it, but you're almost explaining it like that it, it's a hundred percent normal to feel uh, bad about that. Seriously. And, and even though like I went into this with, cause I had just gotten out of another kind of like confusing situation. Um, so I went in with a guard up. I like liked this guy, but I had zero expectations, which is another thing that sucks. Like having to have zero expectations. I was like, I'm just going to enjoy this for what it is. And I was, um, we were exclusive in the physical relationship, but I didn't ask for like a super, you know, a relationship or anything serious or define a relationship or anything. I was just like, it is what it is. But I did, you know, took note that I, it made me feel shitty when I didn't get a day yeah. after text. And that's the standard you were talking about earlier. That's you're the allowed, standard. And you're not demanding. You, you have an expectation of a standard. And so I did say, okay, um, we had a FaceTime. And I just said, I told him that. I was like, hey, I just want to let you know, when you don't text me that morning after, it um, makes me, it, it just doesn't feel good. And it makes me feel a little disposable mm -hmm. and um, it makes me feel like my value is only my body. It means a lot to me. It takes no effort. I'm not asking for anything more than just a simple text. You're not being high maintenance. You're not asking for fancy dinners and I mean, which not we that should be asking. To. I know. See, I know. So I say that and he on FaceTime is like, okay, I hear you. I understand like, I get it. And I was like, awesome. We just, like, had But a you already set the bar. So your bar that you expect him to reach is so low. So the next day, so that was a Thursday. We had that FaceTime. He's like, I understand. I get it. Okay, got it. Friday morning, we didn't have a date or anything Thursday. Uh, Friday morning at 6.30 a.m., he texted me. And I, I was like, oh, wow, he, like, got it. He didn't need to text me all day. I know we're both working. No big deal. Um, and then we had a date Friday night. And then Saturday nothing, nothing, nothing. Not and okay. Like not okay. Not okay. And I texted him like finally like one or whatever. And he texted back and it was friendly and it was nice and it was fine. But it, um, it was like, it felt almost intentional because we had just had that conversation 
And so, um, but this feels like the situation you would try to extra hard to you be would try, a little right. less. And bold. like he did, so I did ask for, can we have a FaceTime? And we did like a couple days later, whatever. And I said, Hey, I, um, you know, I called him out on it and it would have been really easy. Let me just point out for me not to, to white knuckle it or to just say, or to just like put up another wall or to just be like, it's fine. This is what it is. Like, this is fun. And, and, and uh, he's still wanting to see me and I'm going to take what I can get. But I told him that this was something that meant something to me. It doesn't take any time or any effort. And, um, it feels almost intentional or like you were trying to be mean. It was like, did something happen? Did I miss something? And he was like, I wasn't trying to be mean. No, the way he was talking, it just, uh, it, I mean, he was obviously taking me for granted. And I know he liked me and I know he thought we had that chemistry too. But I just said, I guess we're on different pages as far as like what we, how we want to like be treated by each other. And he looked pretty surprised. Like, I think he was expecting me to say, okay, you know, I won't expect it then. Um, so I told him, well, I think we should both move on. This was fun. Yeah. And that was it. So texting is a big deal. Setting your standards is a big deal. It is like what you just said. He looked at you like, wait, you're not just going to accept. Totally did. Because that's how easy it is for them now. Like it's because we've gotten like what you and I just started. We were laughing when we're like, it's not like we're asking for fancy dinners. Okay. I get it. Like it's hard for guys to take girls out all the time on fancy dinners. That's expensive. And I get it. And I always try to pay on, you know, dates my way. I appreciate it when the guy is like, no, 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 I got this. But is that, I mean, that's what our mothers and our grandmothers, that's what I was talking about before courting. Like that's the effort. Like the prize that they want is having sex with you. What have they done to earn that at all? Like if you're giving, and I'm saying giving something like that to somebody, that's a, that's a special part of yourself. You're giving to somebody. It means something. Whatever you, however you look at sex, what effort, you know, what, you're going to sit on your couch and expect a girl to just come to you when it's convenient for you. And you're going to give her like, okay, you got an hour this week, or, <laughs> you know, what, what, whatever the situation is. Yeah. Or what have you done to earn my affection? And to just, and to clarify too, like, yes, we are feminists. Like women can enjoy sex, but also it can still mean something while you're enjoying well, it. Well, I feel, and I don't know about you, but this is like my ex that I was in a relationship with for a long time, I would try to explain to him because guys, I think like it to them, it's not emotional. I mean, I guess if you're in love with somebody guys, it is emotional at some times, but I think that a guy will literally pretty much have sex with any girl who's willing to have sex with them. And I'm not saying that to sound, (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm just going to say it. I think, I think that's every guy's number one goal. When they first meet a girl, when they first meet a girl, they're just trying to have sex with you. Like they might like you and want a relationship with you, but that's always, they're thinking about that the whole time. Mm-hmm. Girls are thinking like your life together. And like, and once you have sex with a guy, you know this, everybody knows this, it's science. A chemical is released in our brains that makes us attached to them emotionally. And a chemical is released in men's brains immediately after sex that makes them detach. I read somewhere that scientifically, before, psychologically, I should say, Before a man and woman have sex, the woman is thinking rationally and the man is thinking irrationally Uh because he's irrationally like, I got to have sex. I got to have sex. And she's like, well, I'm going to have, and then the second they have sex, he's rational and she's irrational. Uh And that's not 
freaking fair. And I, but I also think like spe- bringing it back full circle to our like this exennial generation that be that we are now like we are late thirties, early forties women that a lot of us have careers and our moms and are independent and you know maybe don't even have like that mentality of necessarily you may have the mentality of wanting to find a life partner or somebody to live with or get married to but you may not but regardless it's still about respect and standards it is and so at, at you know at, at my age i'm not especially because you and i like we were saying we have been in long-term relationships before this new dating world where we still were courted and we still have the the normal experience that this new generation doesn't have. And so being thrust into it, so like what is going on? Like before this, the last like two, three relationships I had, I was used to somebody that wanted to be with me all the time. That was almost, you know, like really, really into me. And um, yeah, it's so different, but it's also, you know, it's, fine it's made me also it's a mind fuck it's a mind fuck it was a big mind fuck at first too especially going into the dating thing but where i've shifted or i've tried to and this is you know it is it is it's, it's a cynical place but it's That's also our generation x part of us uh, it is, yes and um but like going into the next dating experience i have just like literally thought i want to have a positive fun experience for me this moment having no expectations of what do they think about me am I going to see them again it's just about me having a part of my life that is enjoyable and with no long-term expectations but that's so sad to me it is it, it can I think we should sad. be able to say I, I I think it's sad that I know that if I meet a guy and I go out with him and I think everything's all perfect and he's saying all the right things I realistically, what my brain wants me to do is like my, my brain before all of this, where I would go home and be like butterflies and be like, oh my gosh, he's so into me. Like Uh he, I can see him being my boyfriend. Now I need to literally go home and be like, he's saying those same things Uh to five other people. Right. Right. And that is the reality. Yes. And I will say on that note, like the first guy that I like was into and dated in, in this, you know, dating experience, um, just before COVID, like end of 2019, I knew like he was such a sweet talker and it felt so good. And we really did, you know, I think we did have some kind of connection, but he just, you know, talked such a big game and said all of the like right things. And I knew even, even with no experience, just being like, I knew this is probably too good to be true. See, I would have eaten that up. But I kind of, but I did in the sense where I, this is what I said. And I said it to everybody, including myself. I said, this feels so good right now. I know that it could be all a hoax, but I would rather enjoy this experience and go with it right now and be wrong later than not have this experience. Cause this feels so fun but it's and easy good to right say now. That. But yes, it was easy to say that because fast forward after being fucked around, mind fucked around for a couple of months after that, I got to the other side and I was like, you know what? 
It wasn't worth it. It feels like shit. It feels like shit. It wasn't worth the mind. And then you go into the next one, even more cynical than before. Oh, yeah. So there's no way to date now without being like, no, at this point, a jackass. You're going to screw me around. I believe nothing you say. Yeah. Ed and I now, when we get a text message from somebody that would seemingly 10 years ago be sweet, we're just like, look at this bullshit. <laughs> and, and that's like, so sad. And you know what I And picture? it's a nice text. It's like, oh, hey, beautiful. I hope you're having a good day. We're like, fuck you. Oh, you know what I picture too? I picture like, okay, so say you get the text like, um, I've never felt this way about anybody. If things don't work out with us, I don't know how I'm ever going to date again because I don't think I'll ever feel like this again. Now I picture copy paste and like I imagine a phone of the text messages and scrolling through like that's been copied pasted 20 times it's true like the good morning text can we even about the good morning text number one is lazy it's not lazy if you say good morning I was just thinking you know about I woke up thinking about and you make it personal and there's some experience in it that like you guys share together or like a conversation you had the night before you're like I woke up laughing about that thing you know when it's just like good morning beautiful it's like Really, that is the most copy-paste lazy. And it seems like, you know what? They made an effort. But you know what's lazier than the good morning text? No good morning text. Yeah, that's pretty bad. (laughs) But I mean, it's almost like, I almost appreciate no good morning text over a good morning generic text. I don't know. Because I'm like, that one makes me more mad. But at least you know that, like, but then. And it's boring. The no good morning text is like. We sound like jaded bitches. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I will have, I'll say one more thing. Because we are. But then I also want us to like talk about our like favorite product or something. Mm -hmm. But, um. I know I just said we sound like jaded bitches, but we're not jaded bitches this is it's a reality truth. we would be yeah i don't I and mean, i know every woman listening to this right now is like yes this is exactly what's happening to me yes because and you know what i it's like the i don't want to be a fool i do not want to be made a fool and um yeah it doesn't feel good to me and it's just like sucks so actually i'm at the point right now where i am just like i'm just it's you know i am not a lesbian I love lesbians, but I'm not one, but I'm getting real close to being one. Well, we'll talk about some of that on the next episode, Ooh. but let's talk okay, about, yes. uh, like, we also thought it would be fun for us to share um, some of our favorites things, whether it's like a skincare or a makeup or an exercise or an item of clothing or something super fun. So um, I'll, I'll share something really quick. So I went on this like spree of trying to find the best like drugstore makeup items. So, um, you know, instead of saying $50 for an item. So- okay, I have three drugstore makeup items that I want to share. The first is, and I've tried a lot. And, and I've looked at a ton of articles. I've tried a lot of them. Some of them are just bullshit and some of them are good. So my favorite like lip balm is Baby Lips by Maybelline. Oh yeah, that's been a that's been a cult favorite for years. Is it? Years. Okay, oh, yeah. well it's true. But that's that's yeah. one that works. I've tried it. Um so I get the My Pink, which um like is supposed to kind of match your body. It looks super natural. It's super hydrating. I love it. And then Revlon Insta Blush. It comes in like a little kind of tube thing and um, you just like rub it on your cheeks. It looks so natural. It stays. It's easy. It travels easy. Um, You don't need to brush or anything. The third item 
L'Oreal Brow Stylist Definer, ultra fine tip shaping pencil. Okay. So I am a um, 43 year old woman and I am Irish. I have very dry skin. Um, but I have to say for 43, I don't have a ton of wrinkles all over my face. And I know a lot of that's genetics, but I swear by moisturizers. I'm like a junkie and I try all of them. And I'm, I personally have not had any luck with drugstore brand moisturizers, but my skin is so dry. Um, so I actually use oils. I, my favorite oil in the entire world is by fresh and they have freestanding fresh stores. You can get them also in department stores. Their sea berry oil has, um, I use it every single morning. I put it on before my makeup. It soaks in. When you first put it on, you're like, oh my God, my face is so oily. My face drinks it up. Your skin stays supple and like perfect all day. The number one ingredient in this is sea buckthorn oil, which you can actually buy sea buckthorn oil by itself at like Sprouts. Um, it's, it's a plant that grows in the ocean and it actually, even though it's an oil, you can put sea buckthorn oil on your face. It cures eczema, acne, even though it's an oil, but it makes your skin glow like you've just been, I don't even know. Like it's the most amazing thing. So the, that fresh sea berry oil has sea buckthorn oil and a few other things, um, but it's amazing. Okay, well, I guess that's our first episode. It is, thank you um, for coming along for the ride. It was a bumpy ride, but I think it's um, <laughs> important to talk about. Yes, hopefully it was relatable. And maybe if you've had some of the same thoughts we've been having, you don't feel so alone. And hopefully it made you maybe giggle a couple of times. Um, <laughs> But yeah, we're excited to keep doing this. So um, we look forward to the next one. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.